Knowing what's possible after tonight, it's going to be hard for a lot of us, especially myself with all the years we've played together. You are Locked On Fantasy Basketball, your daily fantasy basketball podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello and welcome to the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast brought to you by Basketball Monster. My name is Josh Lloyd and I am the lead fantasy analyst at BasketballMonster.com and you can find me on Twitter as always at RedRock underscore Bieber. We're here to look at the action from Tuesday, talk some trade deadline and some trades that have gone down or have been rumored to go down in the NBA preview uh, which day are we at? I can't remember. Preview Wednesday for DFS. That's the one. And then uh, talk about whatever else comes to my mind. Michael Bolton. Let's get to it. To it. Let's get to it indeed. Make sure you are ready for the Locked On Podcast Network's trade deadline special recording 1.30 p.m. Eastern Time on Thursday. Myself and David Locke co-hosting that along with other guests chiming in as trades go down. That'll be hosted here on my YouTube channel. You'll see it tweeted out from my account, from David's account. It'll be all over the place and hopefully everything goes off without a hitch. But let's now get into it. Michael Bolton said he was ready, so why don't we get stuck into talking about the action. Monstrous line of the night. Yeah, let's start with the monstrous line of the night. It wasn't James Harden because he didn't play. Today, instead, it was Kemba Walker of the Charlotte Hornets that gets the monstrous line of the night. 39 minutes in a narrow loss to the Clippers for Kemba. 32 points, 5 triples, 5 rebounds, 9 assists, and 3 steals. Did it on 48% shooting on a lot of attempts. 23 attempts. That's a a pretty decent effort there. 5 of 5 from the free throw line from Kemba as well. That hot start he had to begin this season is a decent, uh, decent, it's a decent memory at this point, but he's still been really strong, much better than last season, the 19th ranked player so far this year. But over the last three months, he's dipped down to 25th because he was like a top 10 guy for that first month or so of the year. He's been really ridiculously good for the course of this season. Remember at this time last season, oh, Kemba's getting traded definitely. We're a year yeah, into this, uh, it was since that discussion took place, and I don't think there's any chance that Kemba Walker gets moved at this trade deadline. Just goes to show that all those guys we expect to be traded, all those guys that it's a definite they're going to get traded, it generally doesn't happen. Most most of the time, we'll talk about that uh, involving the Charlotte Hornets team a little bit later on when we talk Marcus Sol. But Kemba was your monstrous line of the night for Tuesday's action. Waiver wire line of the night. The waiver wire line of the night, it gives me great pleasure because he did make us proud. Finally, James Johnson of the Miami Heat put up a good line. Now, coincidentally, not coincidentally, it was the game that he went to the bench. He got moved to the bench for Kelly Lynn to start. And of course, Eric Spolstra, in his usual manner, uh, decided to just muck up the rotations of everybody. The only two consistents on this team are Josh Richardson and Justice Winslow. Johnson went to the bench. He played 27 minutes, had 15 and 6 with 3 assists, 2 steals and 3 blocks and shot 55% from the field. He has been atrocious this season. The 232nd ranked player. He's been a top 100 guy each of the last two seasons and he's only playing 5 fewer minutes than what he did last season but he can't shoot anymore down at 42% from the field. The activity in terms of the steals and blocks numbers is down this year as well. His assist rate has dropped. His rebound rate has dropped as well. So 
so much has not gone right for Johnson. Is this a turnaround happening? I really highly doubt that. I don't think we can have that sort of um, consistency feeling in his playing time, just given the way that Spolster has run things. The last three games prior to this, 11 minutes, 20 minutes, and 18 minutes. So while it's great that he did this in these 26 minutes, and this might stick for a game or two, I don't think having any sort of uh, hope or consistency, you can have as much hope in your life as you want, but having any sort of hope of consistency with what James Johnson is going to do, or more importantly, what Spolster is going to do with the rotations, it's pretty hard to... um it's pretty hard to hit, to feel that. He is uh, 32 years of age, so the decline uh, makes a fair bit of sense given where he's at in his career. And while this was strong, I don't think we should necessarily be looking at him as a must-roster 12-team league guy based on this performance and based on history just because of the factors working against him and the, the sample size of declining production that we've seen from James Johnson this season. But at least for one night, he did make us proud once more. The deep leaguer of the night goes to Edmund Sumner of the Indiana Pacers. The Pacers absolutely throttled the Lakers, and Sumner played 17 minutes. They started Tyreek Evans. We had Corey Joseph getting minutes too, but because all these guys didn't need to play that much, we got extra minutes for the likes of Sumner and Aaron Holiday. He scored 17 points on 7 of 9 shooting, had 3 triples, 2 steals, and a block. So a really nice, well-rounded uh, performance from Edmund Sumner, uh, who started a couple of games this season for the Pacers when Tyreek was out. He looks like he could have a decently consistent role as the season rolls on, but it's not going to be one that has too much of an impact on uh, on fantasy leagues. But Sumner's that guy who was picked in the second round a couple of seasons ago that really does remind me of Spencer Dinwiddie, uh, being a guy who was um, yeah injured his uh, knee severely in college, and that caused him to drop right down the draft boards. Uh, his first season in the NBA was pretty much a write-off. He played two total minutes. Uh, scored two points in those two total minutes, but is just starting to get back into it now and is starting to look relatively interesting at getting double-digit minutes at the moment. He's playing strongly in the G League, averaging 24 points with almost two steals on 50% from the field and 40% from the from three in the 17 G League games for Fort Wayne. So Sumner's a guy that you want to pay some attention to in deeper leagues, in dynasty leagues as well, who's having some uh, value here that's really starting to look interesting. Again, that bigger body type, the defensive abilities, Derek White type of guy in terms of being able to generate some defensive numbers um, as a point guard type of player, not necessarily a high assist rate guy, but a very interesting deeper league sort of guy who over the last two weeks is on the fringes of the top 250 playing 17 minutes a night. It's really not going to have an impact on many leagues at all for this season, but he is absolutely gaining some at uh, some attention for uh, for people as we move forward. It also helped in this game that uh, Dougie, Dougie, let's try again, Dougie McDirt was out, so some extra minutes plus that blowout did help uh, the Pacers get some extra um, extra production for some of their bench players. So Edmund Sumner is your deep leaguer of the night. Let's go into the next award of the day. Young Gun of the Night. The Young Gun of the Night is Jason Tatum of the Boston Celtics. Kyrie Irving was out, so Tatum had a, a large role on offense. 34 minutes, 25 points, 7 rebounds, 2 assists, 1 steal, 
And the real kicker that pushed him over the line here was the three blocks. He's not normally a guy who's going to be blocking shots in that sort of a level. Although over the last month, he's up to 1.3 blocks per game, which is double the block rate that he had last season. He is a significantly overrated player, I believe, just in terms of his overall fantasy value as it currently sits. And he does need to do a few things more spectacularly to ever push into that top 10, top 20 type discussion. But he can be a better Rudy Gay, a guy that can contribute right across the board. Those assists need to push to three or four per game. He needs to be getting 1.5 steals and 1.2 blocks a game to really push into elite top 20, top 15 type territory. But as of now, he's doing enough. A trade, if it does happen in the offseason to the Pelicans for Anthony Davis, would be really interesting in him being that number one guy, whether he's that player who can take on that larger usage role consistently remains to be seen at 22% usage this season and hovering as the 58th ranked player. I think that's right to assume that he can maybe make incremental steps forward in that uh, on this Boston team. But again, if that trade does occur, and I'm not saying it's any likely, any more likely to today than it was yesterday, or maybe it is a little bit more likely to to occur today than it was yesterday, Tatum has that opportunity if that does happen in New Orleans for him to take that step forward and push perhaps to be that top 30 guy, top 20 guy, but a few things with his statistical profile, it would definitely need to change. I tell a man's not hot. The dud of the night is someone who has been linked in these trade discussions as well with Anthony Davis, the future MVP Kyle Kuzma, who was putrid once again. I think this might be his second consecutive dud of the night. 12 points with one rebound, and that is it. No threes, no assists, no steals, no blocks. Five of 13 from the field. It's why I always preach caution with Kuzma, is he's a guy that offers points and nothing else. And if the usage drops and the efficiency drops then it's a real problem for his value. And over the last two weeks, he is the 297th ranked fantasy guy. That is obviously absolutely piss poor. Over the last month, he's 160th. Do you drop him? You probably don't. But it is clear that the trade situation is having a real issue with this Lakers team. Um, Is he as good as what people think he can be? I don't believe he is. I think there's a real chance that he could be moving to the bench here on this Lakers team. I know Kyle over at Basketball Monster thinks that uh, their their recent trade might actually facilitate him moving back to the bench in a a permanent type role. I'm not so certain that's going to be the case, but it is absolutely a possibility. He is really struggling, and while he's not a drop at this point, in a week's time, two weeks' time, it could absolutely be the case that he is a drop. His last couple of games have been really poor, uh, under 25 minutes in two of the last three games. I do get the feeling that his hip is really bothering him, and that's a part of this issue. Only hit 50% shooting once in the last five games. In fact, only hit 40% shooting once in the last five games, and that's impacting him. And again, as I've said with this guy, when you don't, when he doesn't shoot well, he does nothing else. He doesn't assist or steal or block or play defense or rebound in high levels or shoot free throws well. And I think we have to look at the shooting that he showed at the start of last season as a fluke. He was a poor shooter in college. He was great to start last season, but he's shooting 30% from three this year. That's not good at all. Not a good free throw shooter, although he's taken steps forward there. And I feel like I'm shitting on Kyle Kuzma a lot here. But he does have a really elevated perception of... I've seen people say he's a better player currently than Jason Tatum, which if if you think that, uh, please tweet it at me. I'd, I'd love to hear the rationale behind where that sits because he just isn't that good. He, he, he isn't that good at all and is uh, and is struggling quite a bit at the moment as he racks up another dud of the night. 
The plus minus goats, Sumner was your best net rating, plus 97.3, while Isaiah Briscoe was a negative 101 for the Orlando Magic. He is not that good of a player, even though somehow he has managed to finagle his way into the backup point guard role in Orlando. Let's talk injuries and other news. Johnny War, what a terrible news. What terrible news this is for him and for this Wizards franchise. Already going to be out for months with that heel surgery. Fell over, slipped in his bathroom, and tore his Achilles tendon. I think we forget how big of an injury this can be. This could rule wall out for the vast majority of the of next season, of the 1920 season. He was going to be you know, getting ready to return uh, around training camp from this other injury. And now we're looking at a, a February, March return, maybe for Wall as he gets into the first year of this contract that's going to pay him about $48 million at the end of it. It is a disaster for him long-term. Uh, athletically, that's a real issue. We've seen Cousins come back pretty strong. We've seen Rudy Gay come back pretty strong from it. So Achilles' treatments look to be improving. But in terms of just losing another year of value from uh, this Wall scenario, I, I do think this is not great for the Wizards, clearly. But it could also mean that they get a little bit more aggressive in trading guys away. Meaning, well, we're not going to be in a real strong position next season without Wall as well. Maybe we look to shed Otto Porter. Do we move on from uh, probably not Bradley Beal because we're going to be really building around him now. It's it's a real kick in the ass for this team and their fans. And that is a disastrous injury. Another injury which maybe is not disastrous, but it's definitely not good. One, two, three, four, five. Muhammad Bamba of the Orlando Magic has a stress fracture in his leg. It appears that he won't need, need surgery. Uh, timetable for his return will be released later, but I'd be pretty stunned if we see Bamba again this regular season. At least not until April would be my guess. Therefore, you know, if you were stashing him waiting for a Vucevic trade, you can move on from him pretty clearly. Does that put Ken Birch into the mix? Yeah, it puts him into the mix as the backup center. But again, I just do not see them trading Vucevic so they can get Birch in there and really go to town on him. You know, part of the rationale that people had in their head for Vucevic getting traded was that they want to see what Bamba can do. They want to unleash him. Uh, that's clearly not happening now. I didn't really ever think that was going to happen um, yeah, for most of this season, especially with Vooch playing as well as he had. But I think that this you know, puts the chances of, of Vooch getting traded down really, really low with this Bumba injury, who, who himself has not been that good this season. Marcus Sol, an interesting scenario. He was held out of the Grizzlies game today uh, with trade talks accelerating. Uh, Shams reported that. That's what it looked like. He was heading to Charlotte. We didn't know the exact return. Malik Monk, Michael Kidd-Gilchrist, Cody Zeller, Bismack Biombo, even Jeremy Lamb and Picks. All those names were floated. We never heard a, a real package there, but Casol did not play for the Grizzlies for trade talks. We also had last season the Grizzlies hold Tyreek Evans out for a week behind the trade before the trade deadline to get a trade done there as well, and that never eventuated. And then, lo and behold, uh, about an hour ago, Sean Devaney from the Sporting News tweeted out that the uh, likelihood of this trade going through is, uh, I think it was quoted as, probably not. And again, that, that just further reiterates something that I say. Generally, when you hear the framework of a deal, it's not going to happen. The deals that happen, much like the trade that actually did happen today, it happens to go, this is about to happen. Bang, it happened. You go, shit, what happened there? 20 minutes and it's done. When you hear all these frameworks leaked, like the Anthony Davis and Lakers trade, which apparently is now off as the Lakers are like, uh, which is funny in itself. The Lakers are like, oh, guys, uh, we're not going to be actively engaged. If you want to trade it to us, you know, uh, come come to us. And the Pelicans are like, well, fine. We're not the ones who are instigating this decision here. You know, we'll, we'll happily hold on and see what happens in the offseason. So that appears to be off, but that could obviously change at any other point. And this Gasol trade seems to be off as well. But 
This does not mean that a Gasol trade is off entirely. It means that this proposed trade to Charlotte is probably not going to happen. Could Gasol go somewhere else? Absolutely. Is Mike Conley potentially on the move? Maybe. Is he going to Toronto in this weird package for Kyle Lowry and Jonas Valanciunas, which does nothing for Memphis, and it seemed weird that they proposed that trade in the first place, even though I've heard varying reports that Toronto proposed it or Memphis proposed it. It doesn't make sense really for either side, but yeah, could Conley be on the move? Could Gasol be on the move? Sure. Plenty of stuff can happen in the next 36 hours before this trade deadline, but it appears this Mark Gasol trade maybe, uh, maybe to, to Charlotte is, is not going to happen. What did happen today in that trade we could talk about is Ivan Rubb stepped up and looked really good. And we'll talk about the the uh, the uh, issues there. Now, I think Gasol, nearly everywhere that he would get traded to, he'll, his value will remain pretty similar. But that does open up a significant hole in Memphis. But of course, who comes back? That's all what is uh, remaining to be seen. Uh, Tone Parker left today's game with a back issue. I'd be pretty stunned if he played on Wednesday on the back-to-back for the Hornets. And then a trade actually did go down. Reggie Bullock got traded from the Detroit Pistons to the Los Angeles Lakers in exchange for Svi Mikhailiuk and a second-round draft pick. Now, Bullock had been playing 32, 33 minutes a night for the Pistons. He hadn't even been a top 150 player. So if you were holding him in in 12-10 leagues, it was really just as a three-point streamer and nothing more. He moves to LA, and there's a lot up in the air here. At the moment, he is battling Contavious Caldwell-Pope and Josh the Hitman Hart for shooting guard minutes. Now, as I said earlier, Kyle McEwen at Barcelona wants to think that maybe they put Bullock in the lineup and they take uh, Kuzma out and play him off the bench, and that is a possibility. But still, is Bullock going to get 32 minutes a night? And even so, he was getting 32 minutes a night in Detroit and wasn't a standard league player. So I think that the likelihood of Bullock being a must-roster guy in LA is pretty low. But of course, Hart, Ingram, Kuzma, Ball, Beasley, Stevenson, all these guys could be gone. They could have gone, they could be gone to the Pelicans, leaving the last man standing as LeBron, Anthony Davis, and Reggie Bullock. Him there to go and play 33, 34 minutes and get in a lot of touches. But again, in Detroit, he's getting that and he's not doing enough to be a must-roster player. So I think if for some reason you still have Bullock in 12-10 leagues, which most people don't, I think he's rostered in about 20% of leagues, I would feel okay about him being an expendable piece to grab someone else. Now in Detroit, it opens up a ton, 30 plus minutes on the wing there. Dwayne Casey has shown a real reluctance to play the duck, Luke Kennard, although he needs to be doing it. He's shown a real reluctance to do it. The last couple of games, Stan Johnson's been pushing into 25 minutes. And now, he had been the starting small forward all season, Stanley Johnson, until they, until they replaced him with the Shark, Bruce Brown, and pushed Bullock over to the three. As fantasy managers, we want Kennard to get those minutes and not Johnson because he's a better fantasy producer. But even if you look at his value 30 rank Kennard over on uh, Basketball Monster, he's maybe a top 120 guy in 30 minutes. And I sure as shit don't have confidence in Casey giving him 30 minutes a night. I don't think Michaelo comes in and is a solid 25 minute a night guy. I don't think that's the case because there is, of course, Langston Galloway. Sometimes it may be good, sometimes it may be shit. Which for some reason, Casey loves him and wants to play him, although he goes from 25 to 10 minutes. It's all over the place. The guy that you would take the speculative flyer on is Kennard. But I don't have confidence in that in that appearing to be uh, an excellent option. It's solid. There's That's the value that's opened up at the moment. But more might come in the next day or two. Like maybe that trade for Charlotte does rehappen uh, with Gasol. And then Malik Monk gets a boost. Maybe that occurs. Maybe Kennard goes to Memphis 
as part of a Mike Conley deal. And then he starts there, and then maybe JB Bickerstaff likes him more than Dwayne Casey does. And he plays 32 minutes a night and takes Justin all of Justin Holiday's minutes and Garrett Temple's minutes and becomes a facilitator and averages yeah, 18 points and four assists and goes, shit, this is nice. There's a lot of possibilities here with how all this stuff can go. I don't think this is the last move from Detroit. I also don't think that it's the last move from the Lakers. So while this trade has occurred, um, yeah, there's a lot more to come. In terms of the overall NBA value of this trade, moving on from Bullock for a second and Svee, I'm not a massive fan of Svee, who the Lakers' uh, faithful seem to think was the next Clay Thompson. He clearly isn't. Um, you had that nice little summer league run and then has been pretty poor for all of this season. Seems like a ripper bloke with some real talent, but he, he's not that good and he's not someone that we should be investing heavily in uh, as we move forward. So that is a trade that went down towards the end of the day today. Let's get into these games now and uh, and break them down and see what we can actually uh, try and glean from the action from Tuesday across the league. The first game we look at, the Boston Celtics and the Cleveland Cavaliers. The Celtics win 103-96, no Kyrie and also no Marcus Morris. So Jalen Brown started alongside Terry Rozier. Rozier struggled, eight points on nine shots, but the five rebounds, four assists and two steals are nice. I don't believe he'll be traded, so I don't think he is a strong stash, although he is a must-roster guy while Kyrie is out. As for Jalen... Not a great start. 13-7 and seven on some really, really poor shooting, and he is just that deeper league guy. Marcus Smart was great, 17-5-4, and, and he should be rostered in a lot more leagues. Well, Gordon Haywood did that thing again where he plays more minutes, gets more usage, and he shot the ball well with Kyrie out. 18-6-5, back in Cleveland for the first time since breaking his leg. That's a really strong performance from Haywood, and feel great that he did it. I just don't have confidence that it's necessarily going to happen as we move forward. For the Cavs, now I've been pretty negative towards Colin Sexton this season, but I have to give him credit here because this was a really good performance from him. 42 minutes for 27 points. It's a shit ton of usage. He was 11 of 24 from the field. He still didn't do much else in terms of creating three assists only. The two steals are nice. The three triples are nice. But remember, he is the 218th ranked player so far this season. The the points recently have been all right. He's offering, offering nothing really apart from a positive in points. And even then, it's not even a positive over the last month and a marginal bump in free throw percentage. So I don't think we should be looking at this guy. Colin Sexton's arrived. It's great. Awesome. That's fine. Uh, he's more of just that weird stream and deeper league guy. guy. Another trade report coming out today, Alec Burks could be on his way to Houston in exchange for Brandon Knight and a first-round pick. He was really strong here, Berksy. 21-4-2 with two steals and two triples, but a trade for him to Houston kills his fantasy value. It also kills any upside that Kent Bazemore may have going to Houston to take on that role. Burks is just not that good. Um, he's had some up and... Look, if there's an opportunity to put up good numbers, it's in Cleveland, and he's been you know, strong of late, but since the trade, he hasn't been that good most of the time. Uh, this is fine to, to roster him now and see what happens, but I think that more likely than not, he is out of Cleveland. Ante Zizic started again, 23 minutes, 8 and 12, while Larry Nance played 29 off the bench and double-doubled. Of course, Nance was more productive than Zizic. That's just what he does. Kevin Love looks like he could be really close to a return. Tristan Thompson will be back in the next week or two. So, I, of course, I worry about what happens to Nance, but he's a guy that you should be rostering. They started David Nawaba at power forward. Whenever you can start a shooting guard at power forward over a power forward like Larry Nance, you've got to take that opportunity. And they did that, but Nawaba is not someone we need to look at. And Denga Dell made his first start and was not good. Two points in 25 minutes. I don't think anybody should be surprised that he wasn't that good. 
The next game we take a look at across the league, we've got the LA Clippers and the Charlotte Hornets. 117 LA, 115 Charlotte. Toby Harris looks like his shoulder's fine. 34-7 and with six triples on 62% shooting. And Lou Williams had 31 with six assists as well. They moved the table, Montrez Harrell, to the bench. If I could understand what Doc Rivers does with this uh, lineup or the center decisions, I, I, I'd let you know, but I can't work it out. 16 and 10 with three blocks. His value doesn't really change. He should be playing 31 minutes a night. That's pretty clear. Only got 28 here, but some foul trouble limited him. Another strong Patrick Beverly game. 15, 6, and 3 with three triples in 30 minutes, and I remain convinced that he will stick in the starting lineup even when the rooster Danilo Gallinari is back because Gilgis Alexander played only 18 minutes while Avery Bradley pissed his way to 40 minutes. Six points for Brattles in those 40 minutes. God knows why he is playing as much as he is. He has been bad nearly all season outside of about three-game stretch about two weeks ago. But Doc Rivers loves him, and he's going to continue to play him. Um, Boba Marjanovic had played 15 minutes a night for three consecutive nights. So, of course, he's a DMPCD while Marcin Gortat starts and plays 13 minutes and doesn't do much there. And he is just that very, very deep league player. On to the Hornets. Jeremy Lamb, who's been poor of late, was good here. 22 points on 53% shooting with three steals. Still only 27 minutes. That's a little bit of a concern. I think his value could take a significant change, uh, probably a hit uh, at the deadline. While Malik Monk, who'd been playing really well and then name name was floated around in these trade rumors, only 14 minutes with 12 points and three triples. I have to think that some of that reduced playing time was due to some of those trade rumors. Cody Zeller returned from his fractured hand. He played 23 minutes. If Marcus Gasol came there, it would kill him. If Zeller moved to Memphis, maybe it would enliven his value. 6-11 and 11 with a steal and a block is okay, but he, he's hardly a high-priority guy to roster. While Bismack Biombo started, surely that won't happen ever again. 7-6 and six in 14 minutes for old Biz. Strong from Marvin Williams as well, 13 points, three triples, and four blocks. He is uh, He's okay for 12-team leagues. Now, the Lakers got smacked 136-94. The pace is getting the win. You can tell that it's having these trade discussions are having a real impact on this Lakers team. And I can't remember if I said it on, on here or if it was just on Twitter about Anthony Davis's day. And my son doesn't want to go to Boston because they did Isaiah Thomas dirty. Yet you're more than happy to have a team gutted, have these guys... Uh, you know, Lonzo and Kuzma and Ingram and, and Harden and, and all these guys have their futures uncertain so they can be traded away so your son can go there 18 months in advance of the end of his contract. The hypocrisy is absolutely stunning from some of these guys and some of the discussions you hear around the league. It's clearly impacting these guys. The three-man center rotation was back to piss all over our hopes for Ivica Zubats, who played just 19 minutes and had eight and four. Uh, look, a trade to the Pelicans could be happening, but what do they do there with him and Jali Loka for? It's up in the air. If you want to hold him, by all means, but I think that he's going to be that uh, dispensable guy that you could move on from to grab that hot option. Ingram struggled 12-6 and six in 29 minutes, but this game was that much of a blowout that minutes were limited right across the uh, this, the field of play. LeBron had 18-7-9 in what uh, amounts to a pretty poor performance from him. For the Pacers, no need for anyone really to play big minutes apart from Boyan Bogdanovich given McDermott's absence. Boyan had 24 points with five assists with four triples. He's a must-roster guy. While Miles Turner blocked four shots and had 22 points in only 22 minutes. 
Uh, Collison only played 25. Corey Joseph went to the bench and played 21. But the one guy who couldn't do anything is Tyreek Evans, and his fall from grace remains absolutely astounding. It just shows you how much a different system and a different fit can really impact this guy. His knee, I don't think, can really be 100% at all. He just looks uh, not good at all. And if you grabbed him after the Oladipo injury, I think you should feel pretty good about doing the opposite of grabbing. Next up, we have the Detroit Pistons and the New York Knicks, 105-92. Canard only played the 12 minutes here as Casey hates him. Uh, Drummond had 17 and 16 with five blocks. Blakey Griffin, 29, 6 and 8. And Reggie Bullock, in his swan song for the Pistons, had 19 and 7 with five triples and two steals, which is a really good line. But again, finding 36 minutes, finding uh, 14 shots on on this Lakers team, which may or may not be intact, might be a tough challenge. Reggie Jackson played 33 minutes and had 19, 2 and 7 on a back-to-back. That's really encouraging, and he is fine to grab in 12-team league formats. While Stan Johnson, I thought his performance couldn't withhold, and it didn't. He had three points in 26 minutes. Let's talk about those Knicks. Let's talk about Fisdale and his absolute 100% desire to develop the young guys. It's a tanking season. We're not going to win anyway. Got to develop the young guys. Alonzo Trier played 14 minutes and he had four points. Damo Dotson was under 20 minutes and he had four points while Lance Thomas played 27 and Wes Matthews played 25. David Fisdale is full of shit. All the time. I cannot stress enough how much the stuff that comes out of this organization is bullshit nearly all the time. All the time. There's just lies and lies and lies consistently. On the positive, Mitchell Robinson played 24 minutes, didn't get into foul trouble, which even in other games where he hadn't got into foul trouble, he hadn't been able to play. And he looked great, 13 and 10 with two blocks, while DeAndre played only 24 minutes and fouled out. So maybe some of that is Mitchell Robinson's extra minutes. But the development of Luke Cornett obviously doesn't matter anymore because he was out of the rotation entirely, despite him being the guy that took the starting job off Ennis Cantor. So he was out of the rotation. Does the fouls from DeAndre, does DeAndre push back to 29 minutes next game and that limits Robinson? Maybe, but we've seen Mitch be able to put up 20 uh, or top top 100, top 120-ish type value in only 20 minutes a night. I think he's an okay ad. Dennis Smith, don't leave him on any wires. 25, 5, and 6 in 40 minutes. That's excellent. 11 and 7 for the fort. Kevin Knox, eh, tall Colin Sexton didn't do a huge amount here. 34 minutes for him. I think he's still a fringe 12-team league guy. Well, I feel pretty good about dropping Wes Matthews if anyone's still got him. And Noah Vonley, nine points for Wes, seven points for Noah in his 21 minutes. And that trio I thought could be an interesting stash guy, but the fact that his minutes continue to go down is uh, really confusing. But of course, he is still better than Luka Doncic. Let's move on to the next game. It's the Minnesota Timberwolves and the Memphis Grizzlies. The Grizzlies won 108 to 106, despite throwing out one of the strangest starting lineups you'll see. We'll talk about that in a second. This is a disastrous loss for Minnesota. Yes, they were without all of their point guards, Tyus Jones, Derek Rose, Jeff Teague, and Bob Covington, but they're still going to be able to get over whatever G League bullshit Memphis was putting out there. Townsy was great, 26 and 18, while Dario Saric played 33 minutes, 22, 7, and 5 with four triples. Thank God Ryan Saunders played him more minutes. I love Taj Gibson, but he's not better than Dario Saric, and he shouldn't be getting more minutes than him consistently. Now, Taj was in foul trouble, but he looked clearly distracted in this game, and it makes you think, is a trade for Taj Gibson on the table here? Dario needs 33 minutes a night to be a 12-team league guy. If it's a 24-24 split, he's not a 12-team league guy. If it's 26-22, he's not a 12-team league guy. He needs 30-plus minutes. Not even 30. I think he needs 30-plus to be a 12-team league guy. So 
unless you're fully convinced that Taj is going and Daria is playing these minutes, I don't think this is a signal to add him in uh, most formats. Jared Bayless struggled, five points with eight assists. Now, until Rose and Jones and Teague all return, he's got some value. But it's not going to last all season. And the trade deadline, I'm going to keep saying this, it's around the corner. Value is going to open up. So if you've got Bayless, he's the guy that goes. What, you might get two games out of him? Oh, he might get 40 minutes for two games. Big shit. And then he's out for the rest of the season because he's not playing. He's the guy that goes when you're looking to add someone, despite the strong play of late. On to the Grizzlies. Their starting lineup, Mike Conley, Justin Holiday, Julian Washburn, huh? Triple J, Jaron Jackson Jr., and Ivan Rabb. With Marcus Sol resting, Kyle Anderson out, Omri Caspi out, Jermichael Green out, Garrett Temple out. Conley was great, 25-3-9, three steals and six triples. Justin Holiday really good as well, 17-9, two steals and a block. With all this uncertainty, he's okay to have on a 12-team roster. Triple J, 38 minutes, 23-6-3, two blocks and four triples. He's available in 19% of leagues. I have no idea why. Add him, please, if that is any of your leagues. My man, Ivan Rabb, 19-11, 33 minutes, two steals and a block. I did a show earlier today talking about trade deadline stashes and Rab's name was on it. I think that Gasol or Green or both of these guys could get traded by Memphis and Rab would be that guy coming in and they'd see what he can do. Now, this was a nice little audition. This is probably best or no. This is definitely best case scenario for Rab, but it's pretty bloody good. And it's going to be hard to find guys who could find themselves in a role like this. So if you've got Jared Bayless, drop him for Rab and let's see what happens. Again, that Gasol to Charlotte deal looks off, but a Gasol to Toronto, making up names here, maybe that's on. And then Rab uh, would be pushed into a larger role again. Really, really interesting stuff. And he had a strong run to end last season as well. Um, Washburn was okay in his first NBA start, 7-4-2 there. Uh, nothing much to see. Well, uh, Bruno Caboclo had uh, defensive stats, and he's been an interest, interesting streamer for those two blocks and a steal there for Bruno. But uh, yeah, the shooting has been a real issue for Caboclo this season. The Orlando Magic and the Oklahoma City Thunder. The Thunder win 132-122. Terrence Ross was off last game, but strong here. 26 points, five triples and three steals. He's been really strong as a 12-team league guy. Fournier bounced back with 25-5-5. And, and as a Gordon, 10 assists. That's a real bargain. 18-6-10 for Az, three steals and a block. Really, really strong from him. And my man, Johnny Isaac, 14-4, one steal, two blocks, available in 37% of leagues. Let's cut that available league number in half. Not that you guys have that much influence in in, uh, in picking him up, but he should be added in 12-team leagues, pretty obviously. Vucevic struggled a bit, 17-9-5, or DJ Augustine. Just the eight points, two steals, and four assists there. Well, Ken Birch in his now, uh, what will be his familiar role, as the backup center, 8-5. And five. and that's, that's interesting enough for deeper leagues. For the Thunder, Paulie George was great. 39-8-3 for the Beatle. Three steals, six triples. Shot terribly, but was great from the line. 15 of 16 there, and a putrid 9 of 26 from the field. So some trade-offs. Westbrook had a triple-double with poor percentages, which is basically the autobiography of the Russell Westbrook 18-19 season. 16-15 and 16 with a steal and a block. And Jeremy Grant, strong from Jezza. 19-11 and 11 with a triple-one. He has been much better than I anticipated this season and should be rostered in all leagues. Schroeder shot well, 20 points. Didn't do anything else, but had 20 points on 60% shooting. Much like Jared Bayless, he's fine on a 12-team league for now. But if you want to take that flyer on a trade deadline winner, then Schroeder's probably expendable. Next up, we look at the Toronto Raptors. They handled the Philadelphia 76ers pretty comfortably. The fun guy, Kawhi Leonard. I'm a fun guy. 
<laughs> 24 and 7, three assists and three steals, but shot horribly. He uh, rescued himself going 16 of 17 from the line, while Kyle Lowry, who wasn't going to play at this time yesterday, played, started, played 35 minutes, had 20 points, six assists, two steals, and five triples, and then heard his name mentioned in trade rumors. And it appears that legitimately he has been discussed in some trades. I don't think he's going anywhere, but Masai can do anything. Surge was great, 20 and 10 in 27 minutes, while Delon Wright showed his multi-categorical contributions, four rebounds, five assists, and two steals, and he uh, he played pretty solidly. If he moves anywhere, I'd really look to, to add him if he finds himself in a role where he could start. Just for old time's sake, we played the Jimmy Johnson sound effect earlier, and this could be the last game that he really plays this season. Greg Munro. As Greg runs in, we realize this could get dangerous. Yeah. Playing all the hits today. 10 and 7 for Munro in 18 minutes, but Valanchunas is returning, is coming pretty soon. While Pascal Siakam, the efficiency let us down here. 7 of 15 from the field and missed all three of his free throws, and that's a disappointing line. Dan Green also really struggling. Can't even get to 25 minutes at the moment. For the Sixers, Embiid was a monster. 42 minutes, 37 and 13 with three blocks. Really, really big from Embiid. Same with Simmons, who had 27 and 6 with three steals. JJ Redick was a late scratch with nausea. Said Landry Shamet started. He hit his two threes, which is what he's useful for as a streamer, but did absolutely nothing else. While uh, Mike Muscala played 32 minutes starting for Baby Neck Wilson Chandler, and he is just a deeper league ad. Uh, Furkan Korkmaz had 11 points in his 20 minutes with the absence of Chandler and Redick. And also, Brett Brown, the Sixers are super active in trades, and it appears like Markel Fultz won't play for this team again, uh, at least this season, but I'd be pretty doubtful if he plays again ever. That's my words, that last bit, not Brown's. The Miami Heat beat the Blazers 118-108. Hassan Whiteside, I guess rumors of his demise were a little bit early. 28-11, four steals and two blocks on 92% shooting, and... Six of seven from the line, an absolute monster performance from Whiteside. That, of course, is killing all of Bam Adebayo's value. Five and four in 18 minutes for Bam. He is. I don't think Whiteside's getting traded, and Bam, I think, is too tough to stash in 12-team leagues. Tyler Johnson is not good. Four points in 29 minutes. Move on from him. While Kelly Linick, who'd been playing well, who'd been putting together 12-team type numbers, started, played 20 minutes, and had seven, four, and two. It's the complete frustration with this Miami rotation and with Spolstra that leads us to this uncertainty. So Olenek was fine to add. He's probably fine to drop, but he could play 30 minutes next night. Who knows? I think that he will stick in the starting lineup, given they won. He also played pretty well, but Johnson just played better. 22 and 9 for Dwayne O. Wade and Joshy Richardson had 18 and 4. Wade is an interesting points streamer this season, while Justice Winslow, can we just agree he's not that good? 10, 6, and 5. And I think as soon as Goran Dragic is back, he's going to move into drop territory. I hope that anyone, if one person, I hope one person listening to this podcast was able to sell high when he was putting up that two-week stretch of top 30 numbers, which had unsustainability written all over it because he has struggled to be a top 100 guy after that. And that is just who he has been through his four years in the NBA. For the Blazers, CJ McCollum kept up his hot streak, 33 with seven triples. I think he's a sell-high guy. If anyone wants to give you a top 30 back, I would snaffle that really quickly. Rocket Rodney Hood did not play here, so Jake Lehman said, bullshit, you're taking me out of the rotation. 25 points for Jake the Snake in 33 minutes, eight rebounds on 65% shooting. We know, and if you go back and look at so many of Lehman's big games, they come on like 70% shooting. And then he goes out and has one of seven shooting for two points. So he's a tough one to grasp. He really is just a deep league guy who might be out of the rotation. But Seth Curry might be out of the rotation. He only played 15, uh, 16 minutes here. Evan Turner played 26. Does he lose out? Mo Harkless only played 19 minutes. 
who is going to lose out for Rocket Rodney Hood? Regardless, I don't see Hood as being a 12-team league guy. There's just too many other names and situations here. And the fact that Hood isn't that good for Terry Stotts to deal with. While the Chief Alfaruk Aminu was piss poor. 17 minutes for Aminu. Five points, and that meant more minutes for Myers Leonard. I think he gets it back. He's the honorary guy. Sometimes it may be good, sometimes it may be shit. Yeah, he was shit. Um, He, again, would be that uh, dispensable... Dis- replaceable guy on your 12-team roster if you do happen to have him. That'll do it for looking at all of the action from Tuesday. Let's flick ourselves over and talk some DFS now, and we'll start doing that by looking at the perfect lineup on DraftKings. Kemba, Lou Williams, Evan Fournier, Ivan Rab, Joel Embiid, the Padawan, Colin Sexton, Jake the Snake Layman, and Hassan Whiteside for a total of 394.25, and that costs 49900 And on Fangio, Kemba, Sexo, Lou Williams, Terry Ross, Paul George, The Beatle, Jake Layman, Jason Tatum, Ivan Rab, Hassan Whiteside, that totaled 393.4, and it cost $59,400. Reduce. All right, guys, let's look at DFS now for Wednesday, a seven-game slate for us to look at, which could be really impacted by the trade deadline, not by necessarily guys being traded onto new teams, but by players getting traded and then not being available to play. So that is something to bear in mind. You've got to be making sure you're right up to the news as it happens during the day, which you can do, of course, over at Basketball Monster or following our account at BBM Alerts. And that'll give you a bunch of news there as it goes down. The first game we look at, the Denver Nuggets traveling to take on the Brooklyn Nets, focusing on FanDuel pricing today. There's no spread or total for this game. We know that Gaz Harris is out. Nice, Gary! The Blue Arrow, Jamal Murray, is questionable. Paul Millsap is also questionable. While for Brooklyn, the Blue Swimmer, Alan Crabb, and Smoke and Joe Harris are both probable. Uh, Crabb having missed uh, a whole bunch of time with that knee fat pad issue that he's been dealing with. So that could complicate that rotation, of course. In Denver, we're looking at if Murray is out, we're looking at Monty Morris as a strong option, but his salary has risen to the state where maybe it's a little bit untenable to use him, 6400 But in contrast to that, Jamal is at 6500 So if he is ready to go, he could be an interesting tournament guy, although I think the minutes might be on the little bit of, a lo- of the low side in this game. Uh, on the net side of things, Shabazz Napier, he started last game for Harris, but played about the same as what he would off the bench. At 5,900, I think that's a strong enough floor for cash. I'm not sure the upside's really there tournament-wise. D'Angelo's at 8,300. He hasn't quite been at that level of late. I like the matchup for Russell, but there is an element of caution you've got to throw there because he hasn't been you know, quite at that 40-point mark where we'd like him. While Malik Beasley at 5,100, strong games, strong shooting, averaging 31 over his last five. Gary Harris is out, so Malik is in play, and that is a strong salary for him. But remember, he does very little outside of score. Alan Crabb, I wouldn't want to use him. Monty Morris, again, that price probably a little bit restrictive there. Tory Craig, not doing it for me. At small forward, Farton, Will Barton's at 5,500. I really like that price for Barton. While I might not be as high on him as others are, I think for that salary, it's going to be hard to find better value. While Smokin' Joe Harris at 51, I think he's probably a little bit too expensive. Damari Carroll at 49. Look, he's been putting up some good numbers. I think adding Crab back into the rotation could complicate things a little bit, and that would make me uh, a little bit off uh, Damari. At power forward, Rowdy Rodion's Kuroks, 4,100. The return of uh, Harris and Crab will impact him, so that's a no from me. While 55 for Paul Millsap um, hasn't really been at that uh, at that level on most nights, so I'd probably end up leaving him alone. Trey Lyles went big last game, 34 points, but if Millsap is back, that's going to limit what Miles, uh, Lyles can do. 
He's at 4,500, though, so of course, if uh, Millsap is sidelined, he would be a solid play, as would Mason Plumley, who's at $5,000, become pretty close to a lock cash guy if Millsap is sidelined. Well, Nikola Jokic, or Nikola Jokic, 10,800, really love this matchup for Jokic. I think he's probably the best high price guy on the board for the salary, while Jared Allen at 6,100. Blocked four shots last game, had 33 points. It's not a bad matchup for him as well. I think he is in play here too. Over on DraftKings, we're looking at Allen. I'm looking at Jokic. Smoke and Joe Harris comes in a little bit more favorably on DraftKings at 47. D'Angelo at 81. Um, yeah, some value in him. Barton, on the other hand, it's a worse spot for him on DraftKings as he comes in at $6,000. Let's go on to the second game of the night, the New Orleans Pelicans and the Chicago Bulls in Chicago. The Bulls are one-point favorites, and the total is 223.5. Anthony Davis has been listed as questionable. Sham Sharania saying that he will not play in this last game before the trade deadline. No surprise there that Davis will be out. Nick Miritich is listed as doubtful. Alfred Payton is out. Etwan Moore is out. But Julius Randle has a chance to come back. He is questionable. That would throw some of those rotations out, taking some minutes away from Kenrick Williams, Czech Dial, uh, perhaps Darius Miller, maybe Jolly Locafor as well. So some things could change in that rotation for the Bulls. Timotei Lawawu Cabro, he could be ready to make his uh, debut for Chicago, while Wayne Seldon is a probable after having some knee issues in the last game. And Jabari Parker missed last game for personal issues. He is not even listed on the injury report. At point guard, Chris Dunn's at 6,600. I like the matchup for Dunn. He hasn't really been anywhere near his best, struggling of late, but I like this salary and and this spot. While Frankie Jackson at 37 is an absolutely very, very interesting GPP upside guy, but his floor is uh, is fairly limited. Timmy Frazier, not a guy that I'm super into there. Archer Jackano and Harrison, Shaq Harrison, uh, Big Shaq, not really looking at those guys. Big Shaq. At shooting guard, Seldon's at 41. He's been up and down, but at 4,100, if you can give me 36 points, which he did a couple of games ago, then absolutely you're in your in the tournament pool. I like Levine at 73. I like Drew Holiday at 9,400 as well, who's been one of the most consistent players across this season. At small four, Jabari Parker at 3,900. Um, I don't really see him as a cash guy, but he could very easily have 30 points. He could have 40 points. He could have two points. He's really a, a hit and miss sort of a player. And then Darius Miller at 4,800. I'm not sure that Miller at 4,800 is going to be able to um, uh, going to be able to put that sort of uh, those sort of numbers uh, out, unfortunately. All right, let's look now at the big men here, the power forwards, Larry Markinen, 7,800. He's been giving us about 40 a night, so in a really positive matchup, not a bad guy to take a look at. Check Diallo at 4,100. I think that is really impacted by Julius Randle. If Randle is out, then Diallo at 4,100. He's giving us 27 a night over his last three, an obvious value play. If he plays, then if Randle plays, then Diallo's probably not quite there. Uh, Punch Bob Shiploke, 6,800 for Bobby Portis. Um, that's a $900 price rise. That does take a little bit of the shine away. Maybe a GPP guy, while 8,500 for Randall is probably not one I'm super into. The 5,400 for Kendrick Williams is a GPP guy if Randall plays, and it's probably a cash guy, or definitely a cash guy if Julius Randall sits out. For the centers, Okafor's at 7,800. He's giving us these numbers pretty consistently. No worries there against a Bulls team who's allowed big numbers for opposition centers for most of the season. Robin Lopez, he's not really getting it done uh, for me. On DraftKings, uh, I like Levine, I like Portis, I like Markinen, uh, Drew, Jaleel, they all look pretty good. And the same sort of disclaimers about guys like Shaq Diallo and Kenrick Williams at $3,700 and $5,000 respectively. 
Let us go on now to the next game. We're looking at the Wizards and the Bucks. The Bucks are 11.5 point favorites, and the total is 230. Now, this is a big blowout risk here, and we've seen when there are blowouts on the board for the Bucks that they will limit their best players, and majority of these guys won't play over 30 minutes. So that is a real risk with a lot of these Bucks guys in this game, making, meaning it, making it hard to roster a lot of them. Bledsoe's at 7,500, and he's putting up good numbers, averaging 42 over the last three, despite the limited minutes, but it is a, a real risk here. Thomas Sataransky, 6,700. Well, he was well on his way to a big game last time, but got limited by Scotty Brooks. I still think he is okay, but the matchup doesn't really suit him. George Hill not, not uh, working for me. Malcolm Brogdon is too expensive, I believe, at 6,200. Chrissy Middleton at 67. The blowout risk turns me off. Brad Beal at 9,000. That I'm okay with. I think Beal in cash can you get to that number you know, relatively consistently. Uh, Jordy McRae was massive last time out. I think he'll be over-rostered, but at 4,100, he's not a terrible guy to look at because when he gets hot, he gets hot. But just in cash, he's uh, quite an unreliable player. Otto Porter's at 6,900. Giggity! Um, the shot's clearly not going in, but still 34 points last time out at 6,900. That's not a bad result and a real positive matchup here for Otto. I think that he is okay for cash. Yanni at 11.9. Well, we know what Yanni can do, but you have that risk. Last game, though, he still played 32 minutes in the blowout and had 67 points. So he's not one to completely steer away from, while Trevor Ariza at 6,400 coming off a big 41-point game in 43 minutes. I think that's an unrealistic level to expect him to get to. Um, yeah, probably one I'd leave alone. DJ Wilson at power forward at 3,500 minimum salary. He's averaging 20 points over the last three. Um, yeah, maybe, but probably not that interesting. Well, Jeff Green is interesting at 5,800. He's averaging 39 in the last three games. He's playing center over Thomas Bryant. I think at 5,800, he is in play. Speaking of Bryant at 4,000, I cannot rely upon him at all. While Brooke Lopez at 6,200, it's too expensive when there is a risk of minutes being limited by um, by Budenholzer. On DraftKings, similarly, no one massively standing out. I think Porter at 5,800 looks pretty good. Uh, you could have a look maybe at Brogdon at 5,700, who even in limited minutes could get to that level. Antetokounmpo at 11.4, Beal at 86, value in those guys as well. Same with Sadoransky at 5,600. Next up, the Hornets, they're on a back-to-back. -back. They're taking on the Mavericks. Anything could be in play here for the Hornets. We heard that uh, rumored trade about Marcus Gasol going to Charlotte. They didn't sit any of their blokes, but if that trade actually does go down, who's going to be out? Cody Zeller, Michael Kidd, Gilchrist, Bismack, Biombo, Bill Hernan Gomez, Malik Monk, Jeremy Lamb. There is many, many guys who could be in or out of the lineup depending on, on how that trade actually goes down. Let's assume that all these guys are going to play, though. You've got Kemba Walker at 9,300. I like that. He isn't going anywhere, so that's a massive matchup for him. Great value. Really like Kemba there. Tone Parker. Uh, I think there's a real risk Tone Parker doesn't play, especially as he coming as he's coming off a back injury that he suffered uh, in uh, Tuesday's game. So I don't think we're going to see Tone Parker out there giving some value to Devontae Graham. Uh, Jalen Brunson, will he start with everyone arriving in Dallas? Tim Hardaway set to make his debut. Trey Burke's on on, uh, on hand. There's an element of risk there with Brunson and probably not one whose upside would uh, dictate that I take that risk. Doncic is at 9,700, and that's a lot. It is a massive, massive positive matchup for Doncic here. 9,700, he's averaging 49 over the last five. It's pretty hard to bet against him, uh, especially given how positive the nature of this matchup is. So I think Doncic should be in play here uh, in this in this option, uh, in this matchup. 
Timmy Hardaway's at 61 only for tournaments. Jeremy Lamb, Malik Monk. Monk was terrible today. Lamb was really strong, but they've been going back and forth. And again, the uncertainty over trades and roles with those guys makes them hard to really rely upon. At small forward, Kill Gilchrist, he could be in a trade coming up really soon here. So hard to use him, and he's not a high producer anyway. While Harrison Barnes, the pencil at 5,900. I think Tim Hardaway could have an impact on him in terms of reducing usage. But Barnes has been in that 26 to 29 point sort of mode, which is okay, but very, very limited upside. Finney Smith could also start, but I don't really care for him as a a fantasy option. For the power forwards, I like Kleber a lot. 5,200 for Maxi. Will he start? We don't know at this point, but I think he's worth looking at. While Marvin Williams at 55, I think that's not a bad cash play with perhaps limited upside. While Dwighty Powell is up $1,800 on Fangio, and that would make me uh, turn off him pretty quickly. At center, you've got Cody Zeller, who again could be part of a deal. He looked pretty good in his limited minutes in his return. At 5,200, he is probably not one who I'd want to be all that interested in. He did come off the bench for his first game back also. On DraftKings, Kleber uh, is looking strong at 43. Timmy Hardaway at 49. Walker, Doncic, the pencil Harrison Barnes perhaps there as well. And even Malik Monk at 38, I think is a lot more appealing on DraftKings than what he is on Fangio. That's the only team that has a back-to-back, the Hornets. The next game, we look at the Phoenix Suns and the Utah Jazz. Devin Booker, who claims he was fine, but is now listed as questionable with that hamstring issue, while Howell Neto is probable and set to return. He should be in the rotation, given that Dante Exum is still out. That's still no guarantee, though, that he's going to have any sort of an impact. Of course, if Booker is out, you bump Jackson, Bridges, Oubre, uh, Jamal Crawford even in that mix. Although the, la- the last couple of times the book has been out, or the last time the book was out, we saw Bridges' uh, minutes actually go down, which was a, a strange decision from Kokoshkov. The point guards here, ravishing Rick Rubio, 6,300. The matchup's a pretty good one for him, especially with DeAnthony Melton out. So I think he is in play, especially averaging 44 the last three times that he has faced off against the Suns. Ali Akobo at 38, while well, Kokoshkov's really quick to pull him off. Um, but if Booker is out, he's not going to have really too many choices, and that could make him an interesting tournament sort of a player. The Don, Donovan Mitchell. He's Don. He's good. Um, 8,800 for Don. I I like him here. This should be good for 40-plus pretty comfortably. Devin Booker at 84 would also be good if he is playing, and Jamal at 3,800. Jamal Crawford, I like that for Crawford if uh, Booker is sidelined. At small four, Jinglin Joe's at 5,600. Hasn't been fantastic. I'm not super into him there. Well, Ubre at 68 is a lot, but if Booker is out, I'm in. And McCall Bridges at 54, also been putting up numbers relatively consistently. I think he is a strong option with upside also. Derek Favors at 56. He should be able to get you close to 30 points here, and I think that's a win at that salary. And then you've got Joshy Jackson at 64, who is in play for sure. And then if Booker is out, his value spikes. Aiton at 7,400, I'm in on, and I'm also in on Gobert at 8,900. Both of these centers can have use. Again, the the centers against the Jazz have put up pretty good numbers, and Aiton yet to face off against Gobert, but I think he is is definitely an option here as the Suns have given him more minutes in those couple of games since he returned. On DraftKings, Aiton, Favors, Jackson, Gobert, all in play, as is Oubre at 58, Ravishing Rick at 6,000, and McCall Bridges, 4,600 is very, very cheap, and I think that that value could potentially go up if Booker does sit, even though last time his value did go down. The Rockets and the Kings, the Rockets are two-point favorites. The total is 233.5 points here. Is anybody able to stop Jim Harden? Well, that remains to be seen. Eric Gordon is questionable. Last time he was out, James Ennis started and played over 30 minutes, and that did help Harden's performance. 
De'Aaron Fox, Foxy at $8,000. I think that's probably a little bit too high for Fox. It's almost on the upper limit of what he gets to. Not upper limit, but upper expectation for median outcomes. So I'm not massively into Fox at that salary. Chris Paul's at 76, and he's been around that mark and has done well against Sacramento in the past. I think he's in play more specifically for tournaments. 14000 for Jim Harden is probably too expensive. Now, you could make the argument that he just keeps putting up numbers and keeps putting up numbers, but you've got to be able to find the right guys to price uh, around him. He's averaging 71 over the last five, some with Paul, some without. It just feels like it's getting to a stage where that is too expensive. Eric Gordon's at 49. I'm not interested. Shumpert at 45. I am as a GPP guy. He's getting minutes over Bogdan Bogdanovich, and that's helping him. Bud Heald at 67 also. The lowest score Buddy's had in his last five has been 30. That is a strong floor, while Bogdanovich himself is struggling. Has played well against Houston in the past, and that is a massive $1,200 price drop. You should put him into your tournament pools. I think a, to- uh, a turnaround could come in this game, or at least enough to cover value. At small forward, Bielitsa, that's a strong, strong fade. While Ennis at 4,100, he had 30 points last game, but he's never been that sort of a guy, so I'd feel pretty comfortable leaving him out of it. Bagley's at 6,800. He had 56 last game. I love what he's doing at the moment. He's putting up numbers in a big way for DFS. I like Bagley a lot here. Fareed at 8,000, that's probably getting a little bit too high for Ken. It means he needs 40-plus a night, and he's just not quite that guy. He's like a 35-pointer. So at 8,000, I think that's too expensive. While Harry Giles at 3,900, really just a tournament guy. But he has had a couple of outbursts that could differentiate you in a GPP format. Corley Stein's at 4,500. He's played well against Houston. I worry about him. His recent form hasn't been good, but he's in tournament consideration. That's really about it for me. On DraftKings, I like Bagley and Fox at 72, especially for Foxy. Jim Harden at 12.6, that almost is a must-roster guy. And Bogdanovich at 5,200. Even Iman Shumpert at 3,900 3, is, uh, is in, in play on uh, DraftKings. The last game of the day. This could be an absolute destruction. The Spurs and the Warriors. The Warriors are favored by 11, and the total is 232.5, but the Spurs have ruled out both LaMarcus Aldridge and DeMar DeRozan. Pop has thrown in the towel already, so there's a massive, massive risk with any of these guys. Bryn Forbes is at 44. He's not really the highest upside guy. He could be worth a GPP look. I'd much prefer Pat Mills at 4,300 personally. Steph's at 92, but I worry about the blowout nature for him and for Clay and for Draymond and for KD, and I probably wouldn't recommend using any of those guys in cash. At shooting guard, you've got Ballinelli at 43, who I really like, and he should get a massive opportunity with uh, with DeRozan sidelined. And you could also throw Lonnie Walker at minimum salary. I wouldn't. He hasn't shown he can really do it in any situation. Uh, and against the reigning champions, it's probably not the best bet to expect that to occur. At small forward, Bertans at 43. I'm in on that. Rudy Gay at 6,000. I think they'll limit Gay's minutes a little bit here, so I'd probably fade out on him. Same with Durant. And then you go to the power forwards. Draymond's at 75. The rest risk is real there. Chemezi Metu at minimum salary. Do they get him in the game? Eh, I'm not so sure they do, but yeah, maybe. Probably it be a fade there. And then at center, you've got Kavon Looney at 48 or DeMarcus Cousins at 75. Not interested in them. I am interested in both Pau Gasol and Yucca Pertl as minimum salary guys. I wouldn't want to use them both together, but there's a real chance that one of these guys go for, goes for 25 plus points and at minimum salary, of course, that should be something you're looking at. On DraftKings, similarly, Gasol, Pertl, Ballinelli, Bertans, all of those guys get a bump. Mills, Forbes, same. The Warriors guys are all just tournament type players, but I'd find it hard that they're going to be playing. It's hard to, hard to 
to believe they're going to be playing 33 minutes a night or anything along those lines. Let's look at some studs and values now. On DraftKings, I like Jokic as a stud and a value play of Jarrett Allen going up against each other. On FanDuel, it's Jokic and the value is Chris Dunn. On Yahoo, it's Gobert as my stud and my value play is Smoke and Joe Harris. And on DraftStars, my stud is also Jokic and my value is Jakob Pertle. That'll do it for me today. Make sure you are ready to check out our live trade deadline show starting 1.30 p.m. Eastern on Thursday, going through for 90-odd minutes. Myself and David Locke with hosts right across the Locked On Podcast Network. Subscribe to this show, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, TuneIn, Stitcher, Spotify, and on YouTube. Give me a thumbs up, leave a comment, and of course, hit that subscribe button. Guys, we are done here. Thank you so much for listening, everyone. See ya. Mike Conley.